You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. And hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock. 3.02 on a Tuesday, 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 afternoon edition of the show. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Rainy day again here in East Tennessee, but got up early. Got a lot of stuff done today. It's been a good day. Doing all right. I slept in. How long is sleeping in in your world? Oh, for me, nine o'clock. It's pretty good. It's a good sleep. Depending on when you go, like as long as you're in bed, lights out by like one or so, you get your eight hours. Pretty close. You find yourself needing less sleep as you get older? I don't know if it's because I've gotten older, but the past couple of years after all that, I don't sleep. I sleep like three hours at a time. I found uh, like... I. I used to be like I had to have eight hours. Anything less than eight hours, I was worthless. Now it's like sometimes i like been asleep six. for six and a half hours or so, and I get up, and it's like, okay, it's time. Let's yeah. do this. Let's go. It's go time. Yeah. It's what you, you ever got. Pull any- it's what you got to look forward to, Marcus. Uh, just like you can't even sleep when you want to. No. <laughs> I mean, do you have uh, – you ever pull any of those 12-hour ones ever anymore? No, Not sick. No, 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 no. It's too much, man. 12 is? No. Oh, 12 hours of sleep. No, I mean, like if you said, if you're sick and, yeah, I just get in bed and I'm dead to the world and I'll be with you when I'm with you. Leave me alone. That's but, what I've heard. No, man. Um, anything over eight hours anymore is like overkill for me. Huh. Of course, I'm a night owl, so I push it a little bit. Huh? So that's my problem. I'm a night owl, but... Uh- I have to get up early every day. So usually I'm running on six. Mm. Mm. Had a pretty good day. I did have one minor mishap on the way here. Kind of set me back a little bit. I had a couple things I wanted to get done out there before the show that I'm going to have to put off until after the show because I ended a long streak today, gentlemen. Got a cavity finally? No. Oh. That's never happened. That's a weird thing to guess too, Bear. What's your, you pride yourself on it. Amongst other things, true, never had a cavity. But today I ended a long streak of not getting food on my clothes. Oh, no. Just had, I was eating, uh, I went to Wendy's, was in a hurry, was trying to get down here. And like I didn't eat while I was driving either. I pulled over. That's what that's what makes it so infuriating is I'd actually pulled into a parking spot to stop and eat. No, I I had the I was very meticulous. I put a napkin down on my pant leg and then I put the burger, (laughs) the wrapper on top of that in case because sometimes I like to put the ketchup on the wrapper. And sometimes if you're if you're not careful, you can wear a hole in that and then you get ketchup on your pants. I've had that happen before, too. No more. I learned my lesson. Have a napkin underneath the wrapper. But I'm about halfway through this big, delicious burger. Right. And a big old dollop, a dollop, I tell you, of mustard, bright yellow mustard, just right there, half on the seat belt, half on 
my North Knox siding and windows hoodie. Oh, not that one. One of my favorite hoodies, man. That thing cannot go in the dryer it, until the mustard is gone. It, well, yeah, and I'm like, there's a couple things here. First of all, I just don't – and I don't care. You guys rip on me, whatever. It's just work. Like, I don't care if I come in here and get a hard time because, oh, you spilled mustard. Like, that. I can live with that. If I had a meeting or something – first of all, I probably wouldn't be wearing a hoodie to a big, nice meeting or something, but, like – I, I probably would have gone out and changed, but first of all, it's a big dollop. Like I, I don't know where it came from, man. It, they must have just had like it sounds a big, like a like, like a Chance Collins level. Oh yeah, oh event. yeah. Like it was noticeable, and it's on my seatbelt too. So like, yeah, I'm, I do the best I can with the napkins, but I mean, it's I got like it's in three spots. There's like a big initial dollop, and then the the the, the big dri- the dribbles. The, the big spot had it has like moons orbiting yeah, yeah like other smaller spots and i'm pretty close to my house so i was just like you know what i'll go home and i'll treat it i'll get the soap out and the toothbrush and scrub it in good so save the save the north knock siding and windows hoodie because that's irreplaceable man i that's, don't think they make those anymore the kind the kind that's, that's i have a, anyway no that's that's a nice one Plus mustard of all the condiments, I feel like is the worst to try to get out of. Is it is it hard to get out? I don't know. Well, I've always heard. Yeah, the key to it is you got to keep looking at it. Do not dry that thing. Yeah. Once you dry it, it's set. It ain't going away. Mm. Because I've died permanently. I've had at work before, like on a lunch break, have a very similar thing where just like a but it will be like in the middle of my shirt. So, like, if That's someone were to see it, like, it's not, like, going away. Yeah. So, you go into the bathroom, and you're, like, trying to, like, do anything to make it look like you didn't just become an animal. And, th- and that's worse because then you get the big wet spot on your shirt or whatever that's yeah. like five times bigger than the initial stain, and you got to stand in there and wait for that to dry. Yeah. I've had two, just two such colossal screw-ups in public where I had no choice. But just to live with you it, you just had to roll with it. That's the that word. I yeah. am hyper cautious now. Oh yeah, I like I said, I, I can't remember the last time this happened to me. It's been uh, a couple I, of years. I wore a uh, a foot long uh, chili cheese coney with mustard and onions from yeah. from Sonic. Yeah, that'll do it. And I'm I'm talking. I lost my grip on the first bite. <sighs> that thing went just. Well, you're down playing my with chest. fire, and for I mean, you're eating that in your car. Yeah, yeah, that's. The other one wasn't That's a stain. too close to the sun right there. The other one wasn't a stain, but it was backstage at a, like a, probably like Scott Miller, Mike Harrison show. I was blown away. And I, you know how I, I used to, you know, I'm pretty fond of those kegs of uh, like fountain cola. Kegs of fountain cola. It was cola. gigantic Cokes that I get. From like Weigel. Oh, you mean just like the in the plastic cup? Yeah, the forty-four ounces. Yeah, I was sitting there just blowed away, and uh, we drank beer. I liked beer. Still like beer. Mike said something to me, and the next thing I, I don't, I still to this day don't know what happened. That thing was full, and then it was in my lap. Have you ever had those moments where, like, even when you're not blown away, where literally, like, you just feel like you've lost control of your mouth maybe is that just like where you're drinking something and it just like spills is that just me no, yeah, oh, okay i think so never mind never have what no like i've like your mouth stops working like, you're sober it's just like almost like I've, I've been trying to take a drink of something and all of a sudden like i just feel like it almost like just lost control or something i don't know what how to explain it where it makes sense 
No, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I tried to goof on you. No, I mean, like, it, share that I feel like you. sometimes, you know. The worst the, the worst story like that is um, Steve Fisher, the former Michigan basketball coach who recruited and coached the Fab Five. When he was uh, recruiting Chris Weber, he said he was going to his to Weber's house to his in-home visit, and he was a big Dairy Queen fan. And he had gone through the drive-thru on his way to Chris Weber, who was the number one recruit in the country, you know, like, have to have this kid. And uh, went through the drive-thru at Dairy Queen, got a chili dog. Oh, yeah. And ended up, like, getting chili dog all over his shirt and tie. And, like, he's got this meeting to go to. He doesn't have a change of clothes with him. There's nothing he can do. And so he went to this recruiting visit, like a two-hour in-home visit, and was able to keep maneuver his jacket and or his hand at all times to cover up the spot. When you're recruiting, you gotta. It was like Pat Summit. What well, you know? She's went into labor in Seattle and said, "I'm having my baby in Knoxville." She went on a plane and flew from uh, Washington State to Knoxville all the way just so she could deliver her baby here in East Tennessee. Huh. It's exactly like that. Steve Fisher's. Chili Dog story and Pat Summit's giving birth story. The exact same thing. Same realm of... Uh, yes. Yeah. Chris Weber's a little more important. But anyway. <laughs> you think Chris Weber? You think recruiting? Which, in hindsight, now that we know that they basically paid him several hundred thousand dollars to go to school there for two years, you think that is more important than the late, great Pat Summit giving birth to her only child? I mean, when you put it like that, it kind of makes me sound insensitive, like a moron. No, I like, wouldn't say moron. Insensitive, you don't know what you, maybe. Anyway, which you threw out that bomb yesterday. Like you're really quick to get on us. Yeah, for being mean. Yeah, you regularly call us morons. I didn't idiots. call you a moron. I said no, what you said makes you sound like a moron. You've called us in morons. a way. You called yourself a moron. And then I, I will add to that that uh, after you left, naturally, the phones exploded. Everybody wanted to suddenly get on. And then... Yesterday? Uh, yeah. Number two, um, after calling me a moron at the beginning of yesterday's show, I'll have to go back and look through my what did you Twitter do? mention. Somebody uh, reached out. What did you do that made me call you a moron? I can't remember. Must have been something really dumb. <laughs> No. Nah. Because I usually am kind of slow to pull the moron calling trigger. <laughs> so, I mean, it must have been a Oh, a the, 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 the submarine that you saw at the museum. It wasn't an American that submarine. That was later in the, the show. Yeah, it was a German. Yeah, it was a U-boat. Thing. Yeah. It yeah, was huge. people calling you out. It's huge. Oh, man. Huge. Does that make... Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what would have called made you call Bear a moron. So I can't bring it up. Could be a variety of things. Just uh, in slight defense, I do agree with Barry. You can be quick on the trigger, but I don't know if people can call you out for naming the wrong submarine as <laughs> a side-by-side comparison. Yeah. Well, anyway, hope everybody's doing all right. Glad that uh, Bear was able to pilot the ship home last night. I did get to see... Go to the Globe Trotters last night. The Trotters eked out a hard-fought, gritty win over the Generals. Looked up in the air there for a minute. Generals pulled a fast one, turned off the scoreboard. 
late, oh. late. Yeah, they they turned off the scoreboard late really? in the in the game, and uh, the Globetrotters decided that they would just play to eight. First team to eight wins, and they've got the four point shot now. You know, so just two of those. Game we'll over. Do it. Yeah. But uh, they pulled it at eight to six was the final score. It was a little dicey there, but got it over the finish line. Are uh, do you recognize any of the Globetrotters? Any recognizable names? No. No. And I went back and looked at their website because I was wondering, you know, where these guys went to school, and it's no no schools no you've school. heard of. Well, yeah, it's a, it's like a lot of Albany State and. Uh, the one guy, like the little guy who was their quote-unquote point guard, uh, said – I watched a video of him on YouTube. He said he didn't play in high school. He didn't play in college. Was he just some playground? I, I assume, yeah, I, I assume he played recreationally. He I don't know where he's from, but he said like he knew a guy who like he went and, and played with and said, you're pretty good. I can get you a tryout with the Globetrotters. And next thing you know, he's on the good Globetrotters. God. Yep. The uh, the generals had their shtick down, like because they were kind of a likable bunch until they came out for the game, and then in a piece of you know we got wrestling NWA down at convention center tonight. It was very wrestling. Yes, they had the one guy came out. He got on the mic and he said, <laughs> he he said uh, we ain't losing up up here like y'all did to South Carolina. He said we're gonna take the the. Globetrotters down just like UConn took down the Lady Vols last week. So he he came out there and dished out a couple of really pointed shots at the local crowd just to get everybody fired up and, and razzed up. You gotta, but it, it was a good time, man. The, the kids had a good time, and that was – Well, how wild do you think the crowd will be over at the uh, convention center tonight? I mean, it's a wrestling crowd. I think it'll be pretty rowdy. I think it'll be pretty rowdy. Speaking of the Lady Vols, they fall again last night to LSU in Baton Rouge. Lady Vols now 0-6 against ranked teams this year. Yeah. Ugh. The whole defense Ugh. thing is a problem for the Lady Vols. Yeah. They don't play a whole lot of it. No. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. Tennessee men playing tomorrow night at Florida in a game that I guess we're taking for granted. <laughs> I mean, Florida's not. I, I wouldn't going down there. Uh, Florida's not very good this year, but I don't, I don't sense a lot of trepidation from our fan base about this game tomorrow night. I mean, we should. I mean, we're the number two team in the country. We're at the top of all these. You know, what we number one in Ken Palm right now, the yep. first time ever. Highly ranked in every metric. We should go in there and take care of business. Florida's 12 and 9, first year coach, Todd Golden. So they're in their building phase and all that. I think Davey Hudson had an astute observation and a rare moment of clarity on voluntary reaction the other night. He said uh, Colin Castleton, big guy on Florida, is kind of their only real weapon that'll have to be dealt with. And uh, I think Tennessee has the capability to to deal with him i'm sure cam Wall will draw draw that assignment first first out of the gates but if for some reason it's 
more than he can handle, you've got Urosh and five hard fouls coming off the bench. I'm sure we'll see Awaka and Adu as well tomorrow night. But we talk Tennessee basketball if you want here this afternoon on the show. Open up the phone lines, 865-546-8200. Coming up, our friend Blake Topmeyer from the New Sentinel, USA Today, stops by. We'll get his take on the basketball situation as well as what's going on football offseason. Never stops in college football. Drama, drama, drama. We'll break it down with Blake coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. Fan Run Radio, the tribe continues. It's actually a good point by C. Payne on Twitter. He said, I was eating in the car with my seatbelt on, which I was doing, which looking back on it, kind of dumb. Why? Because I was parked. Yeah. Should have just. I wasn't planning on getting mustard all over Spilling myself. A half, so, a, yeah. half a jar yeah, of mustard on you. Collateral damage, you know. Let's go to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Bring in Blake Topmeyer of USA Today this afternoon. What's up, Blake? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. How are you, sir? I'm hanging in there. Off season for you guys. Uh, I mean, right. are, it's college football. They kind of following that NFL model where there's always something going on. I guess is, is tomorrow signing day proper? The old school signing day? <laughs> it is. You haven't heard hardly any no. chatter about it. Particularly in Knoxville, I don't. I don't think Tennessee's probably going to sign anybody. Um, I mean, the December signing period. I think we all knew it would it would play a big part in the sport. I don't know if we could have predicted though that it would have made the February period like almost completely moot. But that's that's what's happened, and I think part of it too is the transfers combined with with the early signing period. I mean, most most schools fill up the majority of their class in December, and then they use whatever remaining spots and needs they have, uh, they address those with, with transfers. And, and and so many of the top 300 guys are signing in December anyway. I think if you're left with the choice of, hey, i got a couple spots left, I can go either sign a couple into the roster, three-star development players, or I can take a shot on a few transfers. I think most coaches, they, they may not say it out loud, but I think most coaches are now in the camp of, yeah, give me the transfer. Yeah, and I saw where Greg Sankey – um, last week or the week before, basically said, you know what, the signing day, early signing day period is not working out the way we thought. And with a expanded playoff coming, can you imagine a, a week where you're asking coaches to manage the portal, uh, practice, prepare for a game, have early signing day on a Wednesday, and then host a playoff game that Saturday it seems like an awful lot. And like you're saying, Blake, when, when they came up with the early signing day, we didn't foresee the portal. We didn't foresee the playoff. It seems like they're going to have to change something there. Well, the, the one thing I would disagree with Greg, though, on is, is, is it really not best for the high school athletes to have the December signing period? I mean, Greg's thinking uh, about it through the lens of, you know, the coaches uh, having to juggle the playoff while, while signing a, a recruiting class. And I get all that. That's, that's a hurdle. Um, and, and I think it's harder than ever to build and retain your roster as a college football coach. But, you know, at, at some level here, we're, we're at least supposed to masquerade and act like this is this is supposed to be what's best for the athletes. And um, and I'm not so sure the December signing period isn't better for the athletes. I mean, so many of these guys are, are, are enrolling early now. They want to get a jump on their, their college uh, development, and, and they want to be, be there for spring practice. 
And so the best way to do that is, is you just sign in December, your recruitment shut down, uh, you're enrolled in January, and, and that's that. Uh, so I, I do think, you know, Greg Sankey's absolutely right. This is going to be make it even more problematic for the coaches uh, when, when the playoff expands. But I've not heard a great argument yet that says the December signing period uh, has worked to the great detriment of high school recruits. I think I think the transfer portal and the ability of coaches to to pluck away transfers and, and address needs. I do think that affects um, high school recruiting, and that maybe negatively impacts you if you're a three star recruit. But I don't know that a mid December uh, signing period for a recruit is 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 really any worse than a February period. I, I would argue I think it's better. So if we're if we're going to pretend like we're doing what's best for athletes. I actually think the December period makes sense. Well, I've always wondered, Blake, when are these college administrators going to take into account the thoughts and feelings of the poor, overworked, underpaid college football coaches? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, we can talk about how uh, it is it is such a hard job now, but that's that's what you get paid the money for, right? Uh, and that's that's why they're paying, uh, you know, coaches who are not winning national championships. Nine million dollars, and your your national championship coaches are are make, now making over over ten. It's it is. I, I do think the job's harder than ever. It's more of a grind than ever. Uh, they're they're compensated a, a, accordingly. Again, if if there was a real strong compelling argument that we were hearing that this is somehow working out poorly uh, for the high school recruits, then then yeah, I'd say it should be reevaluated. But I don't know about you all but I, I i had my college choice wrapped up uh, by like the fall of, of my high school senior year had someone offered me an athletic scholarship to sign uh i, I would have been comfortable doing so in mid-december but alas there was there was no such offer for me <laughs> blake topmeyer with usa today with us here this afternoon so you mentioned the nine million dollar coaches josh heupel is now one of those and you know blake nobody bats an eye or uh, people rarely bat an eye when these contracts are announced, when they're given, they're usually given for a reason. Somebody's successful or they're in demand. It's only later that people wonder, we did. why did we give John Calipari a lifetime contract? Why did we give Jimbo Fisher a $100 million buyout? Um, nobody's thinking in those terms right now with Josh Heupel and Danny White and Tennessee. Do you think they did the right thing in locking those guys up so decisively? I think they did the incredibly predictable thing, and, and whether it's the right thing or not is probably more of like a 10,000-foot discussion that's longer we can have in a radio segment, right? Uh, I mean, on, on, the, on the surface, when you think you know, $9 million for a coach who, as good as he's done in, in, in two years, just just a few years ago, you could get Nick Saban for, for $9 million. And, and salaries are ballooning. Salaries are now ballooning. Uh, they're they're guaranteed. You know, it's not just the the annual dollar amount that's that's surging. It's you know Josh Heupel's new new deal. The first three years, uh, it's 100% guaranteed salary. Like there, there's not as many of the contracts anymore. Where if you get fired, it's like a 50% buyout. Uh, some guys uh, like Mel Tucker, for example, have 100% uh, guaranteed salary. So like big picture, could could we say like should we really be doing this as as, a, as an industry? Uh, maybe not. But I think. You know, from the ground floor, if you look at it, it was very predictable. Um, it's a reaction to to the market. When when guys like Eli Drinkwitz and I wrote about this at the time, um, I, I said if Eli Drinkwitz is going to make six million dollars, that was a colossally bad deal from Missouri. Just and there was no no need for it, no sense for it. Um, but the biggest winners out of that deal, aside from Eli Drinkwitz, 
were coaches in the SEC who were winning at a higher level than Drinkwitz. I mean, if you're going to pay Eli Drinkwitz $6 million, then Shane Beamer is in line to get a raise. Lane Kiffin's in line to get a raise. Josh Heupel is in line to get a raise. All these guys that are winning more than the guy who's now earning $6 million are in line to get a raise. And guess what? All those guys got substantial raises in this offseason. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tennessee did pretty well here because if you compare Heupel's deal to some deals elsewhere in the country, I don't think it's outlandish. I mean, I think they did well that only the first three years are, are guaranteed. It's not 100% guaranteed after that, whereas, like I said, you know, contracts like the, the Jimbo Fisher that, that you alluded to and, and Mel Tucker, those are 100% guaranteed. So you're, you know, if things go awry, you're paying the full bill that, that he would have been owed uh, to fire him. So I think all things considered, this was predictable. Uh, everybody's happy with the momentum Josh Heupel has in the program right now, and and $9 million is apparently just the cost of doing business uh, with, with a, a successful football coach anymore. Talking with Blake Topmeyer, USA Today college football columnist this afternoon on the show. And certainly, Blake, Josh Heupel has Tennessee fans eating out of the palm of his hand right now. He can do seemingly no wrong. Um, early thoughts on what he can do in his third act on Rocky Top coming up this fall. I keep the expectations pretty lofty, and, and I do that in part because you look at the schedule, and I think, you know what, that's pretty manageable. I mean, your quote-unquote marquee non-conference game, you're off the bat with Virginia and Nashville. I mean, I think that's about as, as favorable as you can have for a Power 5 non-conference game, so that sets up well. Uh, one of the crossovers, Texas A&M, where you think, okay, that's a big one if you're going to have a New Year's Six Bowl type of season. Well, Texas A&M's in Neyland. So, you know, I think if you look at it and you're just drawing up like way too early betting spread type of deals, I think I could see Tennessee being favored in, in 10 of the 12 games on their schedule, with the exceptions uh, being Georgia at home and Alabama on the road. Uh, they, would, they would be underdogs in those games, but just from a, a spread standpoint, I think they'd be favored in the other 10. doesn't mean you're going to win all 10, uh, but I think expectations should remain lofty. I think we saw enough out of Joe Milton in the Orange Bowl for that to be the case. You know, if, Mil- if Milton would have come out in the Orange Bowl and, and, and been the the overthrow Joe version uh, of Joe Milton, then I think there would have been some pumping of the brakes. And you, you think, yeah, how much is, is this offense going to drop off a little bit after after the departure of, of Hinton Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, and, and others? But the fact that Milton was so steady in the Orange Bowl, uh, and I know there's a lot of buzz around Nico, but if you're expecting Nico to be your day one starter, I still think expectations wane a little bit just because that's the way it goes with a true freshman. But because Milton was so steady in that final look we had about him, or we had at him, I think, I think that uh, you know talk of of nine and three or even upper upper end ten and two is is not outlandish at at, at this, this juncture of the calendar. Blake, is Alabama really trying to hire Jeremy Pruitt as defensive coordinator? Uh, I would be surprised if there isn't at least some level of thought to it. I think I wrote about this last week. I mean, if you if you're just looking at resumes, uh, and Jeremy Pruitt was a was a bad experience for Tennessee as a head coach, and I think it was kind of predictable from the word go. He was unfit for the job. It's it classic Peter principle. Like he was doing really well in the job he had at defensive coordinator. He did it really well at multiple places. 
Um, but there was nothing about Jeremy Pruitt that suggested this man should be a, a CEO of an enterprise as big as an SEC football program. However, as a defensive coordinator, he's got a robust resume. Now, there's obviously the, the threat of a show cause um, from, from the investigation that still has not reached the penalty stage from the NCAA, the investigation you know, that started over two years ago. Sanctions still have not been doled out, but the, the NCAA has, has pointed toward what sounds like a strong possibility of a show cause penalty. But what people sometimes forget about a show cause is a show cause does not prevent you from hiring someone. It does not prevent you from employing someone whom you've already hired. Now, what happens is if they get slapped with a bunch of sanctions, you have to honor those sanctions. If, if the NCAA were to come down with a show cause and say, Jeremy Pruitt cannot be involved in your recruiting operations for X number of years, then you would either have to honor that or Alabama could show cause uh, for why Pruitt should not be subject to that penalty. But still, you can be your defensive coordinator. Um, and so first and foremost, I think Nick Saban wants someone running his defense who can get Alabama back to the elite level defensively there's a lot of guys that can recruit to alabama so you know even if jeremy pruitt can't be involved in your recruiting operation alabama just signed the number one recruiting class in the nation which is no real surprise right they do it more years than than not so they need someone who nick saban trusts to run the defense more than they need someone to come in and be a recruiter um the other caveat in this though is the sec has that policy where if you've been involved in level one violations you know you have to have a the university chancellor president has to have a meeting with Greg Sankey and kind of justify why you're hiring this person who's ran afoul of NCAA rules. So that stands to reason that if Alabama really wants to try to do this, they'd have to have a talk with the commissioner. But Sankey has said schools hire the coaches. The commissioner doesn't. And there's nothing in SEC bylaws that says you couldn't hire someone who runs afoul of NCAA rules. So they'd have to have a conversation with the SEC office. But at least according to the letter of the rules, that doesn't technically prevent them from hiring Jeremy Pruitt. I, I do think the threat of the show cause would have to give Alabama a lot of pause here. Uh, but again, it, it is it is commonly misunderstood that, that a show cause prevents you from hiring someone. It doesn't. If you're willing to stomach the penalties that may come out of an NCAA investigation, you can you can employ the guy. Blake, uh, no, you cover football, obviously, but being based out of Knoxville, I'm sure you're uh, following closely this Tennessee basketball story. The Vols are up to number two in the AP poll and a one seed in some of the bracketologists' projections here. What are your thoughts on this Tennessee basketball team and how far they might be able to go under Rick Barnes? Second round, right? No, I'm <laughs> oh. joking, but I think I, <laughs> <Careful> <laughs> maybe the old time joke, but, but I think I'm speaking to the heart of Tennessee fans right there a little bit, right? I mean, I think if you take out, if you take history out of the mix, you have every reason to be excited about you know this Tennessee team. And I know we can talk about maybe how it's not as exciting of an offensive team as as a few of Rick Barnes' teams in the past, but it's it's still a pretty solid offensive team, all things considered. And defensively, it's probably the best defensive team Rick Barnes has ever had. And when you look at at some of the victories they have this season. You know, that tells you you have to be taking Tennessee seriously as a possible Final Four contender. When you think about wins against Kansas and Texas, I mean, those are the types of teams you have to beat in the NCAA tournament if you want to run deep. Um, the only the only place it gets tricky is if you start looking at, at Barnes's history and, and Tennessee's history in the NCAA tournament. 
And then you think this is all going to be a great season that just sets up Tennessee fans for the, the annual letdown uh, that occurs, you know, and in, in somewhere around mid-March, somewhere around the, the second round of the NCAA tournament. But history aside, yeah, I, I, I like this Tennessee team. Uh, but it is, it's happened enough times that I don't think people are unreasonable when they think, uh-oh, what's coming around the corner here? Because, you know, if it, it's like the old fool me once, fool me twice, what about if you're fooled like a half dozen times? I, I, I understand why people, uh, why fans could be skeptical that this is for real. But if you're just basing it on what you've seen this season, it does look like it's for real. Got to enjoy the regular season. At the very least, it's pretty good so far. Blake Topmeyer is pretty good. He's with USA Today. He's not pretty good. He's fantastic. Blake, we appreciate you jumping on with us this afternoon. Uh, where can we follow your work online? Obviously, KnoxNews.com. Throw out your Twitter handle, too, for us. At B. Topmeyer. Yes, I'm sure uh, folks will be sending me lots of nice and kind tweets. Always appreciate interacting with the fine folks of all Twitter on, on there. A reasonable bunch. That's what I always say. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Blake. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Blake Topmeyer on your Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Big Orange Phillies, 66-25 Maynardville Pike in Halls. We have uh, some SEC basketball tonight. I believe Kentucky is at Ole Miss. Yes. There should be at least one other game. And then there's uh, there's a really odd thing going on. Apparently, Kansas is playing Kansas State tonight, right? Yeah. That's only available on ESPN+. Plus. That is a little bit strange. That, uh, what, it's kind of kind of got me itchy. I was kind of looking forward to watching that. Really? Eh, I was going to keep track of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we played Kansas. Kansas State's yeah. playing really good. That's where uh, Keontae Johnson is, isn't it? Well, if you don't have ESPN Plus or you don't like to fangle with the newfangled technology, you don't like to fangle and dangle with all the wrangling and – what not? You could go on over to Big Orange Phillies. They'll, They'll put it, it there on the big screen for you. Watch it over there. Online, bigorangephillies.com. We'll take a quick time out. The drive continues. It's Fan Run Radio. Stay with us. Fan Run Radio. The drive continues. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. Bear, what did you learn? Uh, the stuff about Pruitt was really interesting. You know, thinking about it, like, I mean, Alabama could just say, yeah, it's fine. He won't recruit. Pruitt just, you know, it's exactly like Blake says. It's not like Alabama needs any help recruiting. Could they name him defensive coordinator and just determine that he doesn't go off campus recruiting and let one of the other GAs? Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying, yeah. I I feel like I don't don't think you can do that. (laughs) Uh, according to what everything I took from what Blake said, and he's, he's right. Well, I know, like, for instance, right now, Tennessee only has nine assistants, right? Because we haven't hired a tight ends coach. Right. And one of the GAs or quality control guys is going on the road because you can have 10 guys on the road. Right. Philip Fulmer famously took, um, uh, I'm blanking on her name, the Miss Judy, Judy Jackson, who was yeah. like the. Um, academic liaison or something all the mothers loved miss judy right and when one year fulmer had a staff opening that he was taking some time to fill and so he took judy jackson on the road with him recruiting yeah but i i feel like that's like a waiver type thing like you have to say okay you know that we mean, have they, a staff they definitely opening. have to meet with sankey but i mean if anybody was going to do it, it it would be the gumps they don't care i just 
And their defense is I understand, really good with him down there. I understand they're the kings of pushing the limit. And, and I totally get he's a great defensive coordinator, yeah. like what Blake was the saying, Peter, Peter Principal. Like I, I get all that. I, I just think that is a bridge too far well, for I, even them. I, I, I do too, but, I mean, I'm just – all I'm saying is it wouldn't surprise me. I'm, I also wonder, you know, the NCAA ruling has to be coming down v- imminently. Like in the next month, I would. I say. mean, his wife's gonna get a show cause. I mean, he had. I mean, it's like stuff is like you think it'd be in a movie. Uh, like he had his babysitter handling cash. Allegedly. Allegedly. Do you think that Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC made it more realistic for Pruitt to come back? No, because I think one was more of a personal thing, and the other one with with Pruitt, he is currently allegedly to have committed. What is it? Forty plus is what they finally finally settled on. Ah, who's keeping track? Right. I but, mean, we're in uncharted territory as far as the number of like top line level one violations. I and I agree with you, but I just wonder with you know escorts. It's like comparing, you know. I, I don't. I don't know. Like I'm. Yeah, I, I don't think the freeze thing has anything to do with whatever is about to happen. And again, I am skeptical, man. I. I realize Alabama's history. I know everybody's, oh, you don't understand. I understand. I understand. Trust me. Roll down tide. I know these people. But I I just think that for even them. Because I I think if they – I mean, picture that. You're going to take the chancellor or, you know, one of the the ivory tower types to Birmingham to meet with Sankey to explain why you're going to hire Jeremy Pruitt. I, I just picture the look on Sankey's face like, okay, all right, what you got? Uh, sell me. Uh, uh, no, really, I'm interested to hear this. What do you got? Come on. This guy, the McDonald's bad guy? That guy, you're going to hire him. Well, I, I don't think they're going to focus on the fact that he was so incompetent at cheating, but just that the amount and the fact that it's pretty much now legalized. Look, Greg. They'll probably use the same argument we, people give. We've for, been doing this down here at Alabama for years. Where do you think he learned? The stuff. You're going to tell me that we can't bring back one of our own? Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, man. That's good stuff. 865-546-8200, your number. Let's get Martin in here. Martin, you're on the drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Yes, Russell. Martin. Could you tell me anything about the preferred walk-on we got today at quarterback? I was just looking at, I think his name is Ryan Dameron. Marcus can. How big is he? I don't think he's very big. Uh, six foot one. Uh, this is from 247. He's listed at 5'11", 179. Yes. What schools did he have on him? Do you know? I think ETSU was his other option. I mean, Texas El Paso. No, ETSU, not UTEP. East Tennessee State. Eastern Kentucky. East Tennessee State. So, like, I think the way I look at it is, it's another Navy Schuler type prospect. This is just a guy to run the scout team, right? If yeah, he's a practice player. Not, not coming really off of the kid. I hope he does. What he, he went to Henry County, so he was their quarterback. They had a really good team the past couple of years. I just think that. You're signing him to run the scout team, give you a look, you know, extra guy in the meeting room, stuff like that. I'd be stunned if he plays. Yes. And 
Russell. Martin. I still got hope in my lady Vaz. You're still got faith in Kelly Harper? Yes, because we played six teams in the top uh, 25, but we played five of them in the top 10. Okay. We used to win those games, Martin. I know it. But most of them we played on the road. Some of them we played on the road. But what really hurt us is when when Tamari Key went down. And But, Russell, I know they got two WNBA players on their team, but but I'm still, at least, I'm hanging tough with Kelly Johnny Harper. Well, the key injury didn't help any, Martin. But, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't think that she's in danger of losing her job this year. But I think next year is year five for her in Tennessee women's basketball. There's, there's a high standard over there. Pat Summit's name is on the court. Who and, can we get, Russell? Well, I mean, I'm keeping my eye on what Kara Lawson's doing over there at Duke. Yeah, but she played the schedule we have. No, no, and it's only her third year. But, I mean, she's got the Lady Vol pedigree, obviously, and she's tough. I mean, do you ask who, who are we going to get? It's Tennessee women's basketball, Martin. It's prob- if, if it's not the best job in the country, it's the second best. They should be able to get whoever they want. I like to see them go after two coaches. Who's that? One, I forget his name, but he's at Maryland, and he's been winning big for the last several years. Okay. And Westmore at North Carolina State. Now, Russ, you were on him a couple of years ago, weren't you? Is that where uh, former, Houston's at? We interviewed him for the job and didn't take him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, Martin, but, again, this is Tennessee – Lady Vol women's basketball. It's the most storied, if not at least the most second storied program in that sport. They should be able to hire just about anybody they want if, yes. if that job came open. And what's that kid's last name, Ryan Watt? Ryan Dameron. Ryan Dameron. Yes, sir. All right, I appreciate you, Russell. Thank you, Martin. Appreciate you, buddy. Just like to point out, so Duke, uh, They've lost three games. Uh, all three, including the most recent, to Florida State, all three were ranked teams. But they did beat number 12, Virginia Tech. And they beat NC State, And too. number six, in oh. NC State. But they lost to uh, UConn earlier. They got waxed by UConn. Yes, they did. And then they lost to a close game against North Carolina, and they just lost 70-57 to to Florida State. So I, I'm not advocating the change right now. All I'm saying is, Keeping an eye on it. Keeping an eye on her. Keeping an eye on Kelly. I hope it works out for Kelly. But, I mean, it's year four, man. Like, we're halfway through, and I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on it. That's all I'm saying. Haji is next. Hello, Haji. Hello, friends. How's it going? Doing good. I just picked Paxton up from school, so we'll see if the, what the noise level happens to turn into. But. I just have a kind of a facetious question. Not, not to not like me to do that, but and then a serious one. Is it going to be easier when we flame out in the second round because we're just like we got used to losing in football through all the butch and botch and Dooley and Pruitt years? 
won't sting as much every year goes by it doesn't sting as much you don't you don't know that we're going to flame out in the second round none of you all do we're not going to we're not going to we're going to the final four just curious at what the reaction will be when the hype comes because it's going to come and i think there's going to be some pressure of expectations this year that you know, weren't necessarily there last year. I know there were expectations last year as disappointing. They should have gone further. But I think because of that, I think people are like, okay, guys, like last year was a great year. You won the SEC tournament. That that was really cool. But the way the NCAA tournament run ended really stung. You got to do something this yeah, year. Yeah, remember how we just didn't want it to end because they were so much fun to watch. Yep. That was what hurt the most. It wasn't even getting knocked out of the tournament. It was just that we weren't going to get to watch them anymore. And I, I don't, I don't, and that's just going to be the same. But that's how, you know, it's crucial that we get the two seed so we don't have those silly, you know, four or five matchups and playing a one seed, you know, that's early. So I think that's important. But the serious question I have for you is what is – Rick's history with sports psychologists or motivational speakers talking to the team. I don't, I don't really think I've heard of anything like that. I know they have like former players come by and talk and people in the industry, you know, stuff like that. But I I don't know that they have any actual, you know, doctors or anything like that. So they don't have anybody that comes in and says, you know, you're going to will yourself to win. In spite like of how tight your coach Norman your Vincent Peel guy uh, come in there and like dig in, comb through your psyche. Tell exactly. me about your mother, I mean, Santiago. I mean, it's it's prevalent in the sports. <laughs> it is. World, oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, Saban's got his guy. They call him the Wizard. He's like some dude he knew at Michigan State with a, a long beard or so. Like doesn't know anything about football, but he just like knows how to get these guys psyched up and gets gets yeah, their those, mind right. And, they expect to win. They don't hope to win. And I think our, you know, with us, we just kind of, we hope we win, but, uh, you know, if we can just have that, just have that extra level of confidence, I think is all we need. And just not, you know, he, I want him to stop teaching when the tournament starts mm. and just let him play and, mm. uh, let, there's enough people on the team that will take one, you know, if one player's having an off night, there's plenty of help to take over. So we'll see, but, would it help to lose a couple between now and tournament time? What, what would you? What were your thoughts on that? Would you rather be in the top four when I, the tournament starts? Like if you look at Barnes's record, like the higher a seed he is, the better he does. Like he just doesn't do well as a lower seed. So I want to as high a seed. First of all, I want to win the SEC regular season championship, and I think if you do that, you're going to be a one seed regardless of what happens in the SEC tournament. So I want to win as many games as we possibly can. Haji, I got about 30 seconds. Wrap up for me. We just Well, the schedule shakes out for us to do that. we got every, all the tough teams at home this year. It's just funny how that worked out. Auburn, Bama, it's a whole deal. Uh, so let's, uh, we got to go run the roughs, win it rough, and then go from there. Thanks, man. After tomorrow night. All right, see you guys. Stay with us. Hour number two of The Drive coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio.